T-Wolves hold on versus the Mavs. 118-110. They moved to 13-1. and That's right, 13-1 and at home. I got Wolves expert Tyler Metcalf. He's going to help me break it all down. And it's all coming up next on the Lockdown Wolves Postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. T-Wolves bounce back strong versus Dallas tonight. They moved to 23-7 and on the year. What's happening, everyone? Back in the lab, back at it. Another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Tyler Metcalf. He's on Twitter, at Team Metcalf 11. And before we jump into all the action tonight, quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by game time download the game time app create an account and use code lockdown nba for 20 dollars off your first purchase all right brother let's just jump right into this one lots to cover i kind of want to break this one down into half so let's start here wolves maps target center 12 and 1 at home this year coming in they come out early tonight shooting the lights out of the gym 60 percent from the floor 71 percent from three Ant starts on fire, really, 20 in the first half, I want to say. Offensive efficiency, my point is, was through the roof. Lead as big as 18, but Wolves go into halftime, only up five. Even though every statistic you looked at, Minnesota should have been dominating the one big bugaboo, 15 turnovers. Mavs scored 20 off those turnovers alone in the first half, so... A major turnover problem, and they just they couldn't really get out of their own way early on and really just gave Dallas too much energy, let them hang around despite missing their two best players in Luka and Kyrie and coming off a back-to-back, no less. Talk to me about that first half and what you saw on both ends. Yeah, and it was probably the best off- offensive first quarter they've had all year, at least in terms of shooting the ball, where they were 7 of 10 from 3. They were over 80% in terms of effective field goal rate. That's an absurd number. You know, if you're in like the 60s, that's really good. They were over 80. They were around like 83, 84% in the first quarter. It was absurd. It should have been a 20-point halftime lead, but like you said, turnovers. And it was brutal. Um, the shooting continued all night, though, where and it was a you know, real standpoint um, of their offense throughout the first half where they were at 74% effective field goal rate in the first half. They were on fire from three. Obviously, Ant was getting to the line, knocking down threes, knocking down mid-range jumpers, but so was Niles Reed. So is Mike Conley. So is everyone else on the team. The shots are falling, but they couldn't complete a pass. They couldn't avoid offensive turnovers um, to save their lives. It's brutal. 15 turnovers in the first half when you average 15 on the season is embarrassing. It was a really, really lazy approach that they had to offense, which is weird given how effective and efficient they were shooting the ball because you would expect some of those things to translate pretty seamlessly and together and uh, correlate pretty strongly because if you're knocking down shots at such a high clip, you're expecting that the ball's moving all over the place, that you're getting good shots, so you're optimizing every offensive possession, and they simply weren't. They were just knocking down shots at an absurd clip all night. Yeah, and I don't want to get too in the weeds on this because it might just go over my head, but Jim Pete mentioned during the halftime report about how the Mavs kept running this 
high split action off the top of the floor. And basically, Jason Kidd was just milking it as long as he could. If you can, explain it to me in layman's terms, like what he was talking about, what you think the big issue was making the adjustment. Like, why is that so tough for a defense if you're running that so effectively? Uh, yes, I turnovers are the story of the first half, and awful screen navigation was the story of the second half. And, you know, the split action, double drag, just standard pick and roll. Those are just kind of the three things that Dallas kept going to over and over and over again, and the Timberwolves couldn't stop them. It was, again, just kind of lazy lack of attention to detail. Mm -hmm. uh, similar bugaboo as to what caused all the turnovers. Um, you know, when they're running the split action, double drag stuff, um, a lot of that is getting both Rudy and Cat up high at the level, uh, defending in space, defending the pick and roll. There's confusion on who's taking who. Sometimes the guards switched on the screen and no one else did. So the ball handler was left wide open for a three. Sometimes two people went to the ball, at which created a wide open kickback to an open shooter on the wing. There was no communication. There was no consistency with the guards and, you know, wings getting around the screens and recovering uh, to start the third quarter there. We saw Jaden Hardy just dicing yeah. up the defense by simply standard pick and roll stuff, get into the middle of the floor and then either throw a lob, get a floater, get a little pull up, kick out to the corner. It's the same kind of stuff that we saw Luca get over and mm -hmm. over and over again in their first matchup. We saw Shea get it, um, whatever he wanted in their second matchup. And it's kind of becoming a common theme with this defense where guys, the, the real elite ball handlers, and now we're seeing some of just kind of the average ones be able to get into the middle of the floor and then dictate whatever they want to do really consistently. Yeah, well said, by the way. And, and uh, let's jump to the second half now. And I'll just give you the cliff notes here if you guys didn't already watch it. They cut down on the turnovers. They stiffen up on defense. They kept shooting at a, a high percentage, a high clip. And Ant Edwards, man, I mean, what more can you say? 44 points. He put the team on his back, willed them to victory. Give us your big takeaways from the second half and kind of overview from the game in its entirety. Yeah, and they, they took better care of the ball. Um I, th I think Dallas only had nine points off turnovers in the second half. So significant improvement based on the 20 they gave up in the first half. But, you know, Dallas still 26 point, 26% of their points came off of Minnesota turnovers. That's tough. That's, That's really, tough. really tough to have over a quarter of your points off of turnovers. Not, not great. And it's easily avoidable stuff where, you know, when you look at the rest of the league and the 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 teams that average the most turnovers, it's like the Pistons, the Spurs, the Wizards, the Hornets, the Timberwolves, and the Warriors. It's a lot of those teams aren't in the same stratosphere of quality. So it's something they got to clean up. Um, but the the big story tonight was Anthony Edwards, uh, just impeccable scoring performance. Um, this is the, these last two games are why we we've always kind of preached and wanted him to attack the rim at will 18 free throws tonight, 13 against the thunder. That's, that's where you get the easy points. And the fact that he's starting to get these calls, hopefully a little more consistently opens up a lot of different opportunities and it allows him to got kind of go from the consistently scoring 20 to 25 to the 35 to 40 range. Like we see from guys like Shea and Luca and Embiid, because you get to the line, you get the other team in, in foul trouble. It obviously helps ants 
stat line and his numbers, but that also means that when Rudy gets hacked, he's going to the line quicker. When Cat gets hacked, he's going to the line quicker. Jaden, Mike, everyone, when you get the other team in foul trouble, that helps the entire team. And it obviously helps Ant the most because he's the one initiating all of it, but there's kind of a, a trickle-down effect uh, with, with the rest of the offense. Yeah, and talking about Ant here, we got to give him some love, a little spotlight for a couple minutes. I mean, he's upped his scoring average every year since he's been the, in the league. He's averaging 25.2 this year. Coming into tonight, that'll obviously inflate a little bit. That would put him top five all-time for Wolves players in points per game behind Cat and Caleb. So that's great, obviously. But his last six games specifically – if you remember, since that poor shooting night versus the Mavs, last time he was coming off that, remember, hip pointer injury, kind of had to shake a little rust off, still had like 11 assists that night. But these last seven games now, he's averaging 30 points and six rebounds. That'll go up even further after tonight's 44-point game. But you mentioned it. He's getting to the free throw line at a higher rate in these last seven games in a row now. He's just been attacking the basket at a higher rate. And when he's been doing that, and you're still shooting well from deep at a high percentage, I guess that's your recipe and, and kind of secret sauce right there for 30-plus points a game. So, again, you mentioned it. I know he's getting to the free throw line more. I know that was kind of, you know, one of the few blemishes to his game that everyone talked about. Hey, that's how he can catapult his game to the next level with the elite in the NBA. What have you seen when it comes to that specifically, I guess, over these last seven games or two weeks? Like, how does a young player like that get to the line more efficiently like he has been doing? Is it just getting the calls on a night-to-night consistent basis? Yeah, and a, a big part of it is, you know, the the elevated status that he has this year and mm-hmm. the calls that, you know, whether consciously or not, uh, they go into that. It's a factor. Um, but a lot of it, too, is just kind of the craft and the changes space change of speed and the change of direction dribbling and stuff that he's doing, especially out of the pick and roll where when he's coming off those go bear screens, he's doing such a better job of kind of snaking his way through the lane, keeping his primary defender on his back and kind of keeping him in jail, not letting him get rim side. And then the second that drop defender kind of takes a step back towards Rudy to, you know, try and take away a lob or a dump off pass to him. That's when he keep, that's when he's continuously exploding to the rim and, kind of catching both defenders out of position at at the last moment and they're having to just kind of swipe down or jump late with him and we're seeing when you don't have an elite rim protector out there he's able to get to the line pretty consistently yeah well said that was a lot of fun to watch tonight he had some insane nasty shots tonight. obviously that's going to happen when you score 44 points but that fadeaway off glass oppo shoulder Stop it, man. I mean, just in fuego. Chef's kids. Absolute thing of beauty. You love to see it. I got a couple more on tonight's big win versus the Mavs. But first, a quick word from our sponsors over at Game Time. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by Game Time because you should never have to worry when buying tickets to any big event. That's why Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets to any local event, concerts, uh, comedy shows, sporting events, even Broadway theater. And with last minute killer deals, all in prices, views from the seat and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Personally, for me, 
I love that view from the seat feature they offer. So you can get a real look and accurate visual on where your seats are going to be. So I know exactly what to expect before you spend all that money. And with their all-in prices, Game Time shows you exactly how much you're spending with no hidden fees. I love that. It's time to take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. See for yourself how easy it is. Create an account. Use code Locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Again, just create any new account and redeem your code Locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Game Time terms apply. All right, let's pick back up here. First off, I mean, they won the game, so maybe I'm getting a little nitpicky here. And and it's only one game here out of 82, so no need to overreact. But what's one thing that worries you the most about this team? When you saw them at halftime, right, let's circle all the way back to what we opened up with, knowing they should be up 15 or 20 versus a team, again, on a back-to-back, missing their two best players. Like, what's something that they need to continue to work on in the big picture over the long run? if they do want to be one of the best teams in the NBA and go deep in the playoffs? I know the easy answer is just stop turning the ball over, but is there another layer to it that you've seen? Um, Yeah, and the turnovers are the big one and kind of the most easily correctable, um, I think, um, you know, based on kind of how they're playing right now. But a lot of that kind of goes into just the overall approach um, to the offense where there was very little ball movement tonight. Um, in general. And I, you know, I know Mike still had six assists Ant had four, you know, sprinkling of a couple here and there for a bunch of the other guys, but there were so many possessions that were one or zero passes. And whether it's Anthony Edwards, just dribbling a ton. Um, Obviously when he has a night like this and getting 18 free throws, you get, you get a bit of a longer leash to do that. Um, But then anytime anyone else touched the ball, they were jacking up shots immediately and it kind of felt like they figured they were never getting the ball back unless they shot it. So it's like, all right, this is my one opportunity. So I have a glimmer of hope. Let's take the shot because I doubt that when I make that extra pass, that it's going to eventually come back to me. So again, one night we've seen it pop up a couple times, but it would be nice to see them run a little more motion stuff, a little more ball movement, uh, a little more consistently that would hopefully kind of cut down on some of the turnovers and bail out passes when the double comes. Other than that, it's trying to find some way to more effectively defend the mid range. Um, they've gotten they're They're starting to pretty consistently get uh, diced up in that range, um, especially defending the pick and roll. So point of attack defenders have to do better with their screen navigation at the start. And tonight, Rudy kind of struggled figuring out his levels, um, when to bail out, when to kind of step forward, a couple fouls on jump shooters. So figuring out how to more effectively defend the mid range uh, without totally giving up the, you know, open threes or shots at the rim is something they kind of have to, it, it's a really, tough line to walk. Um, but I, I think they need to do a little bit, little bit better job of it because these last couple of weeks we we've seen some cracks in the foundation. Yeah. Well said. And and you and I haven't talked ball in over a week. So let me pick your brain real quick about Tuesday's loss for OKC. Just real quick, super out of character defense that night, uh, highest field goal percentage all year, uh, most assists allowed all year, 35, I believe second most points allowed and field goals made allowed all year. And granted, I mean, 
Sometimes you just throw your hands up. Thunder just might have brought their A game that night. What are you going to do? SAG got in the paint all night, sticking mid-game shots uh, left and right. He was unstoppable, unguardable. That dude's legit. Reminded me actually a lot of Joel Embiid versus the Sixers and exactly how he killed the Wolves down in the paint. But they got the Wolves on their heels all game. What what were you hoping they'd clean up the most from that one coming into tonight? And, and did you see that from them versus the Mavs tonight? Or... Was it a lot of more of the same from what you just mentioned? It was a lot more of the same. Um, you know, in that OKC game, I was really hoping that Jaden was going to present a bigger yeah. um, obstacle to Shea. And, you know, Shea's top three, top four, top five in MVP voting right now, he is absurd. He is playing out of his mind. Um, very real deal. So for him to put up big numbers, it's not shocking but when you have a guy like Jane mcdaniels who's as good of a defender as he is you'd hope that there'd be a little more stuff there a little more um deterrence of allowing shay to get to wherever he wants it's not a total indictment on Jaden because shay's been doing that to everyone all year but then you kind of compound that with the turnovers that they had in that game too and then all of those kind of issues with the screen navigation with the miscommunication off balls with off ball screens and then the turnovers it all kind of funneled into this one and is a much closer win than it should have been with a team that's missing both Kyrie and Luca. Yeah. And, and so far, I mean, this team, they've done such a great job bouncing back after tough outings this year, especially on defense. In fact, fifth longest streak without losing two in a row since the 2019-2020 season. 30 games now after tonight. Bucks, by the way, lead the NBA with 63. Um, You just mentioned the Mavs a little bit here. Just give me a quick 60 seconds on this team here because, I mean, sometimes too, you know, I mean, it's okay to give credit to the other team, right? I mean, they fought hard all night too, all things considering. You mentioned it. No Luka, no Kyrie tonight. But when both those guys were healthy – I mean, you're talking about the third best team in the West at the time. So what, what's your quick snapshot on them and what they could look like when fully healthy here down the stretch? Yeah, and we Luca had an absurd outing when yeah, you know, in, in our first matchup. And again, kind of similar to Shea. He's been doing that all year. Another guy who's top three, four, five, however you want to order it, an MVP voting. So I, that's always going to be there from Luca, especially when we get into the playoffs. We've seen what he's done to the Clippers in the past couple of years. Um, he can win a playoff series on his own. And now that they have a rookie like Derek Lively, who's just a perfect kind of plug and play low maintenance rim protector, rim runner. Um, It's one of the most ideal kind of rookie team fits from this last draft. And it's that rare immediate impact from a rookie. He struggled tonight. He didn't do much, got in foul trouble, but when he's on the court with Luca uh, compared to when Luca's off, it's night and day because he just constantly gets set up with easy lobs and tip ins because of the way that Luca pressures the rim. So I'm really excited to see kind of how they look with a bigger sample size with Kyrie out there, how they kind of find that balance between him and Luca. Um, I'm assuming it's going to make him more difficult and, you know, kind of take some of the burden away from Luca. Sorry to circle back again mm-hmm. to that first matchup, yeah. but it's kind of a war of attrition where they wore Luca down. They made him do everything and he was exhausted by the end of that. You have Kyrie out there and able to kind of spell some of those minutes. Again, maybe that game looks a little different. Yeah, well said. All right. I got a couple more to close here real quick. We'll check out the schedule, but first a quick word from FanDuel. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. 
right now, check this out, new customers, you're getting $150 in bonus bets when you win just a $5 money line wager. $150 in bonus bets when you throw down and win any $5 money line wager. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on all the action, the app. It's so easy to use, and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything. I mean, everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season. And it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Today, America's number one sports book, FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Schedule coming up. Oh, I feel like I've been saying this for like six weeks. Doesn't let up. Lakers, Knicks, Pelicans, Rockets, Mavs again. Lucas should be healthy. Maybe Kyrie as well. Magic, Celtics. It's a gauntlet, man. Again, I feel like I've been saying, oh, it's a gauntlet on this show for like five weeks. Quick thoughts when you hear that stretch, though, especially after what you've seen the you know past two, three games. Let's go 500. Uh, <laughs> right? I'll take it. Let I... You know, in, in, in the past, Orlando's, you know, been kind of viewed as a rollover team. They're not this year. They're one of the better defenses in the league, and they've always given Minnesota fits. Um, Houston has been really good at home and really awful on the road. Um, so they're kind of a, a Jekyll and Hyde type team. Then, you know, they they're it's a long stretch of teams looking for playoff bursts and with and some with very deep playoff expectations. So It'll be a really fun stretch, hopefully. Um, you know, last time we had one of these, that it went a little better than we initially thought. So hopefully we're um, kind of in store for that again. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. And I, I think a really good kind of test of their character and their resiliency and um, how they react when they kind of get hit in the face. Yeah, absolutely. And two, to that point, I mean, no arguing. That's a tough stretch, 100% hands down. But I also guarantee you each one of those teams is also probably thinking, hey, you know what, That we've got a tough matchup coming up. Yep. Uh, when they look on the schedule on paper, you see the Minnesota Timberwolves on duck as well. I, I mean, just that's how well they've played now this year, 23 and seven, 13 and one at home, consistently night in and night out. That's how solidified, how dominant they've been this year. Um, all right, last one. We got a couple more minutes. Let's just talk about Mike Conley, man. It's just been incredible to watch someone this deep in their career, 18th season now, having a breakout year shooting the ball, isn't it? I mean, assuming he plays 20 years, right? Two more fully healthy seasons. He doesn't look like he's wearing down anytime soon. Where does he fit in with the greats of this generation? Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Kyrie, all those kind of guys. Um, I mean, when we look at the numbers, probably a lot closer to them than we may initially think, just because, I don't know, like, for, first thing when I think of Mike Conley, first thing I think of is not, oh, prolific shooter. And right. it's because, like, the he's never been a huge volume guy because he's just so adept at picking his spots and making the right decision. And they're so rarely does he kind of get in the zone of, all right, I have to take over and I have to take these shots. You know, he does that, what, maybe once a month. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, tonight, again, two for four. That's just kind of the trend with him. So I, I don't think the volume will ever kind of get there to the point where he's mentioned in that class because he's not taking these tough, you know, 
35 foot step backs over strong contests and sprinting off screens and hitting ball away threes while drifting into the second row. But efficiency wise, he's going to be right at the top of that list because he's just so his decision-making, his shot selection, his passing, all of it. It's just always the right decision. And whenever he does something on the court, it's so rare where you're like, Mike, what the heck was that? What were you thinking? It's never that. It's always like, oh, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Yeah, we'll roll with it. Yeah. Oh, it's Conley. Oh, Bite Bite yeah. did it. Oh, we're cool with that. 18 years in the pros. First time he's ever called Bite Bite. I love it. You, you got to love it, man. You never know what you're going to get with this team. Uh, you could argue, too, to your point, he's made more key clutch shots than anyone on the team outside of Ant, right? Even more than Cat. I mean, the guy, he just kind of gets it, doesn't he? He's just that crafty veteran. All the cliches that come along with the crafty 18-year veteran. He's a leader. He knows when to let other guys shine. He knows when to step up and take the big shots on his own. And again, just as you said, arguably playing as good as we've seen in year 18, 46% from three-point, 47% from the floor. That's coming into tonight. One three-pointer made in 40 consecutive games in a row, two of four tonight. You already mentioned that. That's top four longest, though, in the NBA for an active streak. Second longest streak in the NBA for a player 35 years or older. LeBron James holds that record with 49 games. All right, any last final parting thoughts on the Wolves tonight. You know, I saw a lot of people in the comment section say this was definitely one of those games the old Wolves definitely would have lost. Your thoughts on that? Are you ready to kind of put last year in the past and move on with that that yeah, whole kind of topic, I guess? Yeah, I feel like I've been a broken record with that saying yeah. all season where it's like, you know, at this point, we've said that, what, a dozen times at least? So it's like these are this is a new team. This is who they are this year. They've you know, shown that they're a top team because they kind of keep grinding out these wins that drink, you know, they would have lost last year. So I, I think we kind of have to put that to bed and recognize that it's a new team and kind of change our perspective um, when these games go the way they do. And instead of being like, oh man, tough win, that was great. You know, they really fought through it. They're, I, I think they have legitimate title aspirations at this point. So we kind of need to nitpick and be like, why was this so close? What do they need to fix? What can they correct? Was this just an off night Did they where they struggled on doing some of the little things? They took their opponent for granted but still fought out the win? Or are there major kind of structural things that they need to continue to work on? So I really think that this team has elevated to a, to a point in terms of quality and legitimate title aspirations where – kind of let them off the hook if we're just like, oh man, whew, they, they, they took a step forward and won a game that they should have. Yeah, well said. Wolves bounce back strong. 118-110. They moved to 23-7 and on the year. 13-1 and at home. As always, huge shout out to everyone that joined us in the postcast tonight. Rest assured, we'll be back each and every game, same time, same place, right here to break it all down. And Quick reminder, go check out all of Tyler's work on Twitter as well, at Team Metcalf 11 Anything new since the last time we've talked? It's been about a week and a half, 10 days or so, that Wolves fans maybe should be out on the lookout for that maybe they can dive into. Uh, just the team over at CanisHoopus.com always has great stuff going up over there. Um, hopefully in the next week or so, I'll put something together on some of their turnovers or screen navigation stuff and kind of try and highlight what I've been complaining about. Uh, love that. Can't wait to dive into that. That'll do it for us tonight. <clears throat> next on deck. Who we got next? 
Uh, Lakers. Next on deck, it's the Lake or, Show. No, wait, maybe? Yes. Yes, Lakers, sorry. Lakers, okay. Yeah, I, I had to second guess it myself as well. Lake Show, next on deck. Join us again right here for the entire recap. And follow all our work over at the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. One more plug, if you haven't already, you got to go check out Ben Beacon over in the Lockdown Wolves podcast as well. He's Tyler Metcalf. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing out.